0: Hello, and thank you for joining us for a new episode of Contours, a podcast series from the New Lines Institute for Strategy and Policy. My name is Mina joffrey Lindemolder, and I am the Senior Manager for Analytical Development at New Lines. Today, we will be discussing the upcoming elections in Nigeria and Zimbabwe. I am joined by Carolyn Mormon and Kwangu Lewewe. Seven African nations are facing presidential elections this year. Amid increased security, economic, and political challenges throughout Africa, the Biden administration has been paying more attention to African nations and their needs. Paramount to U.S. policymakers are the multiple instances of coups causing democratic backsliding and opening doors to malign foreign influence that have happened in the past couple of years, particularly in West Africa. I am joined by Kwangu Lewewe. She is the Africa editor at The New Lines magazine. She currently produces and presents a daily 10-minute segment for the radio station HOT-FM in Lusaka, Zambia, called The African View with Kwangu Luwewe in The Morning Show. She also highlights Africa's top stories of the day and produces a weekly current affairs show called Beyond the Headlines. She has extensive experience covering political, economic, and social issues across Africa. I am also joined by Carolyn Mormon. She is an analyst and content coordinator at the New Lines Institute. Prior to joining the Institute, she conducted research at the American Enterprise Institute's Critical Threats Project and the Institute for the Study of War. She focuses on non-state actors across Africa. I'm so grateful to you both for being here today. Thank you for joining me. To begin, let's get started with some general information about the elections in Nigeria, which are coming up at the end of February, and Zimbabwe, which are over the summer. Can you tell me a little bit about who's running, what we've seen so far in terms of outcome, and why these elections are significant, and how they're different from previous elections? Carolyn, let's begin with you speaking about Nigeria.
1: Hi, Mina. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak on this podcast. The Nigerian elections that are coming up at the end of this month, specifically on February 25th, are important for a couple of reasons. First of all, the presidential and legislative elections are going to usher in a new era for Nigeria as Mohamedou Buhari, the current president of Nigeria, is leaving office and also leaving open space for new parties, specifically the third party, the Labour Party, which has broken precedent in Nigeria as it has gained popularity to rise and take power. In Nigeria, previously, we've had competition between the All People's Congress, the APC, and the People's Democratic Party, the PDP. This election season, we've seen Peter Obi, a third-party candidate from the Labour Party, break away from the PDP, which he was a member of previously, and start to reel in the young voters in Nigeria, which, as of latest statistics, make up over 80 percent of the new 10 million voters that have registered for this election. Specifically also with this election, because of the high popularity of the third party, we have the potential of runoff elections. Previously, since Nigeria has transitioned into a democracy since 1999, all Nigerian presidential elections have only had this first round of elections where a candidate needs to win an absolute majority plus 25% of the votes in two-thirds of the 36 Nigerian federal states. But if that doesn't occur, then a runoff may happen. And as this third party has gained popularity, analysts are worried that this is a possibility. Also, another area that this election is different from past elections is that because of demographics in Nigeria, particularly with the Muslim majority north and the Christian majority south, usually tickets alternate presidents between the north and the south in administrations. And that doesn't seem to be happening this year as the PDP is running a northerner for their president after Muhammadu Bahari, the current president of Nigeria, is from the north. Usually, tickets to attempt to have a Muslim and a Christian on the same ticket, but the APC has two Muslims on the same ticket. And in a state with Nigeria where ethnic and religious affiliations play a very large role in how people vote, this is significant. And so, as far as what we're expecting to see and what we've seen so far, polls are not really showing an accurate picture because a lot of people are not being truthful or not sharing how they're voting. But we're very up in the air about what we're going to see at the end of February. All we know is there's a lot of ammunition for these elections to be very different than what has happened previously.
0: Thank you so much, Carolyn. Kwangu. I'd like to pose the same question to you. Can you tell me a little bit about the elections in Zimbabwe and how they differ from elections of the past?
2: Yes, as you said in the introduction, Zimbabwe goes to the polls sometime in the summer concrete date hasn't been set so we're looking possibly sometime in july or august these are presidential and legislative elections that are going to take place and the two front runners of course are the incumbent president emerson munangagwa from the ruling party the zanu pf party and nelson Chamisa, who is coming from he was originally from a party called um, the Movement for Democratic Congress, but they now formed a breakaway party called the Citizen Coalition for Change. So it will be between these two. In the run-up to the elections, just like the previous elections, I mean, ZANU-PF has been in power. They've held power for about 43 years since the country gained independence in 1980. So we saw President Mugabe rule it until the coup in 2017, and then Munangagwa came in as president after that all fiasco. Of course, the elections that Munangagwa took part in versus Chamisa, um, those were disputed polls. So we see them going into this election with the same issues that were being faced in the last election, issues such as voter intimidation. We've seen arbitrary arrests and detention ahead of the elections. That's exactly what's going on now targeting journalists and the civil society and the opposition. So voters will be looking at issues such as corruption in the country. We've seen widespread corruption in the country under the watch of ZANU-PF and Munangagwa. Also, generally, the country has a very weak rule of law. So that's something, again, voters would like to see a change in that. And, of course, violence ahead of the elections, which is also something they're worried about. Another thing that is of great concern to the electorate would be the election interference and the independence of the Zimbabwe Electoral Commission. This has come into question in numerous elections, past elections, and the general population is just not very happy with the Zimbabwe Electoral Commission. They think they're biased towards the ruling party. There are always questions coming up about the voters' role. So this is something else that is being watched closely ahead of um, the election later on this year.
0: Thank you so much for that, Kwangu. Carolyn, can you tell me, are the election results in Nigeria expected to be contested in the same way that they have been in the past in Zimbabwe?
1: I would say yes. Previously, like we've seen in the 2019 elections, the elections were disputed. The APC won those elections and the PDP immediately confronted those results and their petition was turned down. But there seems to be a lack in the Nigerian state of a lot of people in the general population understanding how the electoral system works and there is and there's a need for more education on this, which would help with the distribution of elections. But the independent national electoral commission, which is INEC in Nigeria, plays a very large role in monitoring the elections and making sure they're fair. And they've taken steps to increase the security of elections and make sure they have a better chance of not being disputed, such as introducing biometric scanning and sending results electronically, where in the past they've been done manually. But people are worried about this, and the international community, a lot of analysts are very aware and expecting disputes to happen.
0: This is a question for both Kwangu and Carolyn. Has there been any violence surrounding the selection? And what are some of the areas in which we might expect these results to be the most contested or for rule of law to not be respected following the results?
2: So with Nigeria, when we talk about election violence, I'll just pick one area, then uh, maybe Caroline can come in With um, other aspects of it, so there's certain areas, especially if we look at the north of the country, where there's a lot of insecurity happening there, in terms of insurgency, in terms of Boko Haram, and also other insurgent groups in that area. There's some stations, there or some points of that country that haven't had anybody. INEC hasn't been able. That's the Electoral Commission of Nigeria, hasn't been able to actually go in there to register voters and there'll be no polling stations there. So no one will cast their ballots in certain regions of the northern part of the country. Of course, that raises the question of whether this is fair or not, because obviously some um, Nigerians will not cast the vote, which is a right of theirs, the right to vote. So um, a lot of people feel this is incorrect. Now, in terms of election violence, there have been some instances across the country, but The major issue towards this election is also just the general insecurity in the country. As I mentioned, in the northern part of the country, each geopolitical zone in Nigeria has its own unique security issues, whether it's in the Niger Delta with the militants there or if it's kidnapping or bandits across the country or if it's got to do with um, other groups who want to break away, secessionist groups that want to break away from Nigeria. And here I make reference to a group in the Biafra or those who are fighting for the independence of the Biafra. So that is one of the key issues leading into this election that's going to be held on the 25th of February.
0: Are there similar issues in Zimbabwe?
2: In terms of Zimbabwe, right now, we're not seeing per se electoral violence to do with elections. But of course, there's widespread intimidation going on as we speak. If you belong to the CCC, which is the Citizens Coalition for Change, and you're wearing the regalia, you know, you could be targeted and beaten up for that. So that's the kind of violence we're seeing. But on a large scale, it's not that evident yet. But I suspect coming closer to the election date, when the campaigning starts, when the campaigning period officially opens, we will most likely see violence, which is something that has been happening in most of the past elections. Voter intimidation is really high in Zimbabwe when it comes closer to the elections.
0: Regarding the various campaigns in both Nigeria and Zimbabwe, what are some of the key issues for voters, and where do each party stand on those? Carolyn, let's begin with Nigeria.
1: Thank you, Mina. So the key issues to voters in Nigeria right now fall along some similar lines. So first, as Kwangu has talked about already, the country is facing insecurity in a lot of different fronts and the people want their government to do more about this. Now, Nigeria is a part of a lot of efforts to battle the insecurity, primarily in the Northeast with the Islamic State and Boko Haram. This is Islam- Islamist insurgency. They're a part of coalitions like the multinational joint task force with other countries in the Lake Chad Basin, and they are working with a lot of regional partners to try to solve all these insecurity issues. But the people are looking for more change on the ground in their daily lives, such in the same way they're looking for more change in the country's very high unemployment rate and the vast corruption that takes place and affects the daily lives of people. I mean, 60 percent of Nigerians live in poverty and electricity access is so bad that the power grid collapses a lot and there's a lack of sufficient supply to meet the demands of daily Nigerians. The economy, they import oil due to corruption and theft while they have a domestic oil supply. So these campaigns are attempting to address the interests and the demands of average Nigerians. Of course, the APC tends to be more of a left wing party. And to support the broader nationalization of these economic resources, why the PDP in, in the typical rivalry of this system and the rivalry that they have kind of existed in with the APC since the late nineties, the PDP as like a more of a right wing party is attempting to bring power back to private businesses and to lift the country and the economy out of this nationalization that Nigeria has seen under the APC since they've been in power for the last couple of years.
2: Okay, so in terms of Zimbabwe, some of the key issues that the country faces ahead of the elections, I mean, right now, um, they've got a high unemployment rate in the country, the economy is not doing well at all. As you may be aware, Zimbabwe is under sanctions from the West, in particular, even from the US. They have dated their targeted sanctions against Zimbabwe. This is focusing on individuals those responsible for gross human rights atrocities and undermining democracies. So Zimbabwe has been complaining that these sanctions are what is affecting the country's economy. So we've heard from the African Union and even South Africa, um, the last visit that South African President Cyril Ramaphosa made to the U.S. um, late last year when he met Biden, that was one of the key issues, was trying to woo the U.S. to lift sanctions so that Zimbabwe's economy can improve. Another key issue, as I'd mentioned earlier, of course, is the endemic corruption under this ZANU-PF government. That's one of the key issues that is affecting Zimbabwe ahead of the elections. In terms of the two parties, ZANU-PF has been ruling Zimbabwe since um, independence in 1980. That's been the Liberation Party that now became the ruling party. So it's been decades of rule under this Liberation Party. And they're just not giving up their seats. After Mugabe Munangagwa came in, as I explained earlier on, he was also in Mugabe's government as the vice president. He held various portfolios. So a lot of people see this party as, in fact, the incumbent president. They just see him as continuing what Mugabe had done. So that's in terms of ZANU-PF's reputation in the country. Then in terms of the coalition, the Citizens' Coalition for Change, this sprung up from the movement for democratic change, which was under Changirai, Morgan Changirai, who passed away a couple of years ago. Chamisa, Nelson Chamisa, their current president, then broke away from the MDC because it had a lot of internal fighting last year to launch this new party, which is called Citizens Coalition for Change. So they're coming into this election after being in a breakaway party of the MDC. They're promising, of course, more jobs. They're promising to open the airwaves and the media space because um, there's been a lot of interference with the media space in the country in terms of no free press in the country. He's promising as well to give a voice to the youth. Nelson Chamisa is a fairly young man, so he believes in the youth movement and he's actually vying for the youth to register to vote because he thinks they can help in turn things around in terms of the elections and their voting power.
0: Thank you both for going into detail about those key issues at play in these elections. I'd like to move on to discussing specific security issues within each of these countries and their regional and international implications. Carolyn, Nigeria has very specific security issues. What role will these elections play in combating these? And how do Nigerian democratic elections play into the wider anti-democratic situation in West Africa?
1: Thanks, Minna. So I'm going to take that second part of the question first. And when we're looking at West Africa, we've seen in the recent past couple of years that multiple West African countries have experienced undemocratic changes of power. We've seen coups in Guinea, Mali and Burkina Faso, Guinea and Mali in 2021 and Burkina Faso last September. And these coups have allowed, at least in the case of Mali and increasingly in Burkina Faso, increased dialogue and increased power vacuums for malign influence, particularly in the context of Russia, to find its way into West Africa. And of course, these undemocratic shifts of power have worried a lot of analysts and international commentators on how West Africa can continue to promote democracy in the wider African community and the the international system. Now, Nigeria, as the largest democracy in Africa and as the most populous country in Africa, plays a large role in the connotation of democracy in Africa. Nigeria will be the first country out of, I think, seven countries in Africa that are undertaking elections this year. And so these nations, plus, for example, multilateral organizations such as the African Union, who will be playing a large role in the electoral monitoring of this election, Nigeria's elections and how these elections are undertaken, hopefully the most fair way that it can possibly happen, will be looked to as a beginning to the electoral process for this year and for this new phase in Africa. In regards to Nigeria's specific security concerns, these elections will bring into power a new phase of Nigerian democracy that will have these issues that affect the livelihoods and security of daily Nigerians on their docket for things to deal with. So specifically, for example, in the Northeast with the multinational joint task force, this multinational mechanism relies on Nigerian leadership alongside the leadership of Chad, Niger, and Cameroon. These elections will bolster Nigeria's face and, again, that wider West African democratic backsliding to play a larger role in that multinational joint task force. And in regards to other Nigerian security concerns— as Kwangu had indicated earlier. We have farmer-herder conflict in the center of Nigeria. We have some successionist groups in the south of Nigeria. And all of these issues play a role in how Nigeria governs its people and how it cooperates in the wider West African and African context. And again, Nigeria is looked at as a leader in Africa and in the world because of its size, because of its democracy. And it can be a leader in solving these security issues internally and with international help if its democracy has a respectful place, which relies on these elections being carried out successfully.
0: How will Zimbabwe's regional role in southern African security be impacted by these
2: elections? when we look at zimbabwe you remember that uh, i did mention the oppression under mugabe's rule he ruled for 38 years and it's a landlocked country so a lot of people left zimbabwe because of the corruption there was uncontrolled inflation you know widespread poverty and all this was happening during mugabe's reign and then munangagwa came and nothing much changed so we saw them leave zimbabwe and most of them the nearest place for them to go was South Africa. So we saw a lot of Zimbabweans move into South Africa. Not all of them went there legally. And actually, if you look at South Africa's relations with Zimbabwe, the Zimbabweans are the largest uh, migrant African group, estimated to be about one million there. As I said, they're not living there legally. Some of them are just doing um, menial jobs. So there's a lot of tension between Zimbabwe and South Africa because of this Zimbabwean, South African authorities want the illegals out and so do the people. I mean, we've seen a lot of xenophobic attacks happening in South Africa targeting African nationals, but specifically, they speak a lot about the Nigerians and about Zimbabweans during these attacks. So that's one way, one of the things that's currently happening now. And if the elections go wrong, we do expect to see a lot more Zimbabweans leave the country to neighboring countries. So that's one of the key issues. Even in South Africa right now, um, the South African government is working on um, ending some resident permits for Zimbabweans. They had given them some privileges, especially those who went there as asylum seekers and refugees. But they're now looking at ending this and those people may face uh, deportation. Now, the body for Southern Africa, which is SADC, also has been very mute on what's happening in um, Zimbabwe, and they've received a lot of criticism. It's like a Big Brothers club where all these presidents from the region do not want to condemn what they see happening in Zimbabwe. So a lot of people condemn SADC, the regional body, as being toothless because they cannot advise Munangagwa to change certain things. This has brought a lot of criticism against this body. Previously, under Robert Mugabe, during his reign, when The other countries were not um, condemning it. It took, I think it was the Botswana president, Ian Kama, who was brave enough to call Mugabe out. But during Mnangagwa's reign, we haven't seen this happen in the SADC region.
0: Thank you for those details on Zimbabwe's security situation and how it affects South Africa and other countries in the region. Now that we've gone over the specifics of each election and the issues that are at play here. What can the U.S. and other allies do to support democracy in both of these countries?
1: We saw a couple days ago that two members of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee introduced a bipartisan resolution calling for transparent elections in Nigeria. And so this kind of public outreach has been really, really helpful along the path to elections in Nigeria. And as far as after these elections and during these elections, with the threat of the elections being disputed, the U.S. can just put all of its backing behind the electoral commission in Nigeria, for which has had problems before, but overall remains a very good bulwark against problems with democracy in Nigeria. And so the U.S. can support the results of this board and other mechanisms and really pay attention to electoral supervisors in the country, rather those be from the African Union, rather those be from regional countries, but really support the people on the ground and call for the democratic winners of these elections to take office and those who did not win to
2: peacefully accept these election results. That's a very interesting question. And I say that because African states and African nations will turn around and say, they'll talk about being sovereign nations. And why should the U.S. even in the first place get involved or have a say or have a role to play in ensuring that elections are free, fair and credible um, in an African state? They take great exception to such sentiments and such comments. But in an essence, I did say one of the key things happening in terms of U.S.-Zimbabwe relations is the question of the targeted sanctions, so I think the Zimbabwean government would like to see those lifted. I doubt the U.S. would do that if the elections are not free, fair and credible. I mean, that is one of the reasons why these sanctions were imposed, because of repressive laws. They were also because of the the violence during the last election. Um, they were undermining uh, democracy. We saw grave human rights abuses in Zimbabwe. And these are the things that U.S. forced the U.S. to now you know, impose sanctions on this country. So on the Zimbabwe side, yes, Zimbabwe would want them to lift it, but the U.S. will be looking closely at these issues to ensure that the elections are free, fair and credible. The U.S. cannot put pressure, as I said um, in my introductory remarks to this questions, they cannot put pressure on uh, Zimbabwe's to hold free, free and credible elections. Ngagwa as I said, he's old school. He's like Mugabe and Mugabe hated Western interference when it came to governing his country. So I don't see Zimbabwe paying any attention to whatever the US says. They've imposed the sanctions already. They've been in place since I think they were established. First sanctions were established around the year 2003. We're now in 2023, that was 20 years ago. And they've just been stubborn about this. So. So basically, there's very little that the U.S. can do, in my opinion, to ensure that Zimbabweans have a free, fair and credible election.
0: Thank you so much, Kwangu and Carolyn, for this enlightening conversation about Nigerian and Zimbabwean elections that are coming up in 2023. I thank you both for your expertise and your time. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Carolyn and Kwangu about the upcoming elections in Nigeria and Zimbabwe. Make sure to subscribe to Contours on major streaming platforms, including iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify, so you don't miss any of our new podcasts. Please check out our further analysis into geopolitics and U.S. foreign policy at www.newlinesinstitute.org. Thank you so much for listening.